This episode of Teeming with Microbes is brought to you by Number Two Organics, made in partnership with Malibu Compost, Bigfoot Microbes, and Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers. Man, after the week you've had, you need some spiked uh, birch water. Oh, God, do I ever. Welcome, everyone, to the Teeming with Microbes podcast, our weekly deep dive into the rich and fertile world of the soil food web and organic gardening. We're breaking down all the science and handing out expert gardening advice while busting those long-held myths about how to help your garden grow. With the man who literally wrote the books on teeming with everything important in your soil, the Lord of the Roots himself, Jeff Lowenfels, and me, Jonathan White, the caffeinated gardener. From flowers to lawns to vegetables, heck, even your mind. Let's grow it all. Jeff, there's an old adage, or I don't know, a saying. I don't really know what the difference is anyway, but you know the old (laughs) adage, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Yeah, that's a, that's a, (laughs) yeah. It probably does. We may not hear it because we're there, but what about all the plants that are around that tree. Do you think if that tree fell, sent out a sound and vibrations that the plants around it would hear it? Absolutely, because they just did a study (laughs) and they determined that that's what's going on, which is amazing to me. They did a study and they call them pulses, I guess, right? Mm. Is that what it is? And and the tree, the trees and and the shrubs, and they can feel the pulses of sound. So for example, it's not just when a, an insect bites a leaf that causes the leaf then or the plant to send a signal out, a chemical signal. They can hear the sound of the insect approaching. Wow. Yeah. So, so really, plants reverberate both literally and figuratively, right? Because mm-hmm. they're taking in sound and giving it off. Right. Right. Because they make sound. They've they've attached microphones to uh, plant stems, and you can hear the water gurgling through the through the plant. Uh, and of course, in the springtime, it would be going in the opposite direction, which is very interesting. Um, so yeah, it definitely happens. And then they found one, one or two plants, and I'm sure there are many more, probably several right here in Alaska, that actually use sound to attract pollinators. Wow. Hmm. We always think it's what? Color? Smell? Uh, but no, it's actually sound as well in some instances. So there's this one vine, and the leaves themselves are shaped like little cups, like uh, radar dishes. <laughs> and and they can help a bat as it does its radar uh, em- emissions uh, determine where the plant is and then pollinate the plant, which is, wow, that is evolution. Well, and we've talked about this in other episodes, and there's even a chapter, I believe it's in Teeming with Fungi, maybe not, uh, about how how that sound may affect even the root system, right, with plants and how they, how they yeah. may go about using that sound in the soil. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, for example, a plant, a plant root can hear certain plants, maybe it's all plants, we don't know, but they've studied several plants and they've shown it, can hear where water is and will grow towards that water, sound. And they know it grows towards the sound of water, not just the water itself, (laughs) because they have water in pipes and the plant roots 
grow towards those pipes because of the sound of the water going through them. Crazy. They, they can't feel the water or get anything from the water, but right. they can hear it and migrate toward it. Right. Because they and know we, they're going to need it. And, and we've talked and, to like a house plant that listens to Mozart, whether it's Mozart or heavy metal can use right. that the, the, the vibrations from almost kind of like in, in a weird way, the way a stem will strengthen itself against wind, right? It can use those vibrations as minute as they might be from sound waves yeah. to create things that are helping itself or helping the soil. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's one of the reasons why a lot of people play music in their greenhouses when they're growing tomatoes and cucumbers and whatnot, because the idea is that that sound helps. Now, of course, the unfortunate thing is you have to, you have to know what kind of music your plant likes. Uh, does it like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, is it a Swifty? <laughs> does, it like, oh, does it like rap? I don't know, but, Look, but I, there's I'm no question. I'm a big uh, Taylor Swift fan. My kids are, uh, my girls are huge Swifties, but um, I'm taking a break from the Swifties after the 49ers loss in the Super Bowl. Oh, that's too bad. That's too oh. bad. Yeah, I, I, that was quite quite the game. And uh, yeah, I'm a Swifty myself. My granddaughter, oh my God, everybody just goes nuts. And, and it's terrific. And I'm pretty sure she's a gardener. Let's find out. We'll find out and get her on the show, folks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we go, speaking of the 49ers, can you hear this sound? It's the sound of the tiniest violin playing a sorrow song for me. <laughs> and I'm sure the plants can hear it. Hola, gardeners. Is it time to break up with your soil? Is it treating your garden right? Or is it just the same old faux organic or conventional ag byproduct nonsense? Maybe it's time to switch to something real, something you can count on. Well, say hello to number two organics. Farm-made organic compost, real organic topsoil, and premium organic potting soil. No games, no gimmicks. Ask your local nursery buyer to bring us in today. Or get us online at number2organics.com. You know the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover? Well, that's a lie. People will judge you for your terrible lawn. Make them think your life is back on track and clean up that yard with Bigfoot Microbes. Starting all over from seed, use our new Bigfoot Root Boost product. It helps boost your roots and naturally fixes nitrogen. It's a great alternative to the big box store's heavy salt and chemical-based products. If you're looking to repair your existing lawn, you can aerate with Bigfoot Granular Mycorrhizae and water in with Bigfoot Concentrate Mycorrhizae. You can do this. Bigfoot believes in you. Fix your life and your lawn with Bigfoot Microbes. You can find all Bigfoot products on Amazon. We've also heard the famous story about Jack and the, the magic beans, right? He grew some magic beans right. that went skyward and the, the giant climbed it. And everyone knows that story. But who knew there was also magic inside root nodules of certain types of legumes or maybe even all legumes? Yeah, all legumes. Yeah, yeah, we we knew that because we've talked about it before. Uh, what happens well, we is- We knew, but did Jack know? Yeah, Jack did not know, I don't <laughs> think, because he, he might have thought twice about getting on that thing if he knew it was supported by bacteria. But but we we, we were looking at an article last week and I sent it to you about nitrogen fixing in legumes. Uh, and basically the, the essence of the article was people are studying this idea of these nodules that form in legumes, 
where, which contain bacteria that fix nitrogen from the air and feed the plant and also leave nitrogen in the soil when mm. the plant dies. And the, and the idea is, and, and frankly, there have been a series of these articles which have upset me to no end about how people are, or scientists are now studying this rhizobia bacterium and uh, these nodules to see if they can't figure out a way to have these bacteria create nodules on non-legume plants. In other words, provide nitrogen to other plants other than legumes. Mm. And, and so the idea is that there's a tremendous amount of studying going on so that we can take our cereal crops, corn, wheat, whatever, and, and, uh, apply a, a bacteria or or something that will create these nodules where the uh, bacteria can go and fix nitrogen. And and this upsets me. <laughs> and I'll tell you why it upsets me. We've known about this for a long, long time. All of the all of the companies that make fertilizers, et cetera, have known about this for a long time. Yes, people are studying it. But what they need to be studying is this new thing that we've talked about on this show and which listeners to this podcast are probably in the 1% of, of humans that even know about this, rhizofagy. Up to 40% of the nitrogen in any plant that has root hairs comes from nitrogen-fixing bacteria inside the roots. They don't form nodules, and we couldn't see them until 2010, and we didn't really know what was going on until 2017. But now that we know that bacteria invade roots and fix nitrogen in order to protect themselves from being attacked by the root cells, uh, we know that this is a much more efficient way to get nitrogen into a plant. And it's a much more intelligent way to study how to get nitrogen into non-legume plants. But you'll be okay. I will be okay. But this author wrote a, sto a story in um, the New Yorker magazine. Uh, and so everybody who reads the New Yorker magazine thinks this is the way we're going. We're going we're gonna to develop more efficient nitrogen-fixing nodules in non-legume plants. And it's not the way not, we're going. Not the case. And right. he, and the reason why I say this is because he himself, doesn't know about rhizofagy, which is a stunning, stunning thing. You know, this is an, a key new basic discovery. All plants with root hairs take in bacteria and they fix nitrogen inside their roots. All plants with root hairs. And yet this guy who's a scientific writer or scientist has no idea it's going on. And so he's pushing his efforts and trying to push other efforts in the wrong direction. Listener, if you're out there and you know anyone at New York Magazine, we should get a copy of this podcast over to them. Yeah. Because it is one of the basic fundamentals of the soil food web, mm -hmm. right? Of, of how this whole system that we're such big fans of operates. And, and one of the most important aspects of it, of how plants communicate, feed, survive. Right. Uh, you Protect know, themselves. And, 
yeah. protect themselves. So it's not a, it's not a, a you know, a, a trivial difference of opinion. It's a, it's a fundamental at times misunderstanding or. Right. Or no understanding at or all. Or no understanding at all about how it works. Simply, and, and, and to me, because I'm an amateur scientist and I'm a, I'm a writer, but I'm an amateur. Uh, it, it, it just appalls me that a professional holds himself out down at the bottom of the paragraph and says, so-and-so is a scientist, you know, blah. he has, he's got a book, he's appeared here and there. No, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I hope I don't get sued for saying that, but, uh, and I am trying to contact him. It's very hard to find people. Small disclaimer, uh, folks, the, the strong yeah. opinions of the Lord of the Roots in this episode <laughs> are his and his alone. Lawsuits yeah. should be aimed at him and not the caffeinated gardener who's just a lowly coffee guy. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> and and the bottom line, folks, is this. When you read these articles about nitrogen fixation in nodules, you're reading old science. You really should be reading about nitrogen fixation in root meristem cells as a result of rhizophagy. And we know that listeners of this show are seeking out those articles. So when you find them, send them our way. Right. Right. And then we'll take care of those guys. Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers has been a partner of organic gardeners for more than 40 years. With a full range of OMRI-listed and organic-approved products featuring a wide variety of premium organic blends and a diverse selection of single-ingredient inputs, Down to Earth is dedicated to using the highest quality natural ingredients available including marine proteins, natural minerals, and biological soil additives. Down-to-earth all-natural fertilizers can be found nationwide in independent home and garden centers, so you should ask your retailer for down-to-earth products. Look for that compostable box or find us at downtoearthfertilizer.com. We've talked in the past about seaweed, kelp. Uh, I think I noted it has something like 56 different elements. Uh, people use it uh, as a organic microbe food like crazy. Uh, and recently they did a study and they made a, a shocking discovery, which maybe indicates why this stuff works so well. And uh, it was a February 6th, 2024 Seed World article. Um, but basically... Uh, it, it it indicated that kelp basically acts as a convener and brings together microbes and uh, the exudates that attract them. So it acts as an inter intervener, so to speak, and and helps get the nutrients into the plant, which is pretty incredible to me. That's amazing. So, listener, while you're reading your fiction or your autobiographies or political thrillers, just know that the Lord of the Roots is reading Seed Weekly. <laughs> and he is he is doing that for you and for me so that we know exactly where. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's right. So you know that seaweed extract, kelp, changes how plants communicate with soil microbes. Yeah, one of our very early episodes, very early episodes of this podcast back last year was about the power of kelp. Right. And what an amazing, just absolutely amazing addition it is to your garden. And so it's no surprise that they keep learning more and more about, right, right. about how, how it helps. 
Right. I mean, we th- we thought it was helping because it was providing these these 56 different nutrients uh, and the plant can, can could get the nutrients that it needs. But what this study seems, well, no, what the study does say is that seaweed influences the, the composition and the makeup of the microbiome, the activity of the of the members of the microbiome. Uh, and it, it basically what it does is it it causes the beneficial uh, microbes to proliferate and to do their thing to help the plant. So it's almost like what would happen if you and I were were, were sitting here talking and all of a sudden someone gave us some helium. <laughs> And we would start talking at a, at a high voice. Wait, what are you talking about? Is my voice sound funny? <laughs> People would understand us. The communication would be a little bit different, though. And that's exactly what's happening in the system uh, where, with with regard to kelp. And so it, 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 they've demonstrated that it, it helps with the mycorrhizal fungi. Fungi. It also helps with this rhizobia fixation that we talked about in the last segment. So kelp looks to me like it's going to be something we're going to be pushing like crazy. And the kelp they're talking about is cold water kelp. Uh, Somewhere around here, I got the Latin name, but it's cold water kelp, uh, Ascosophyllum nodosum. Uh, And it grows in Alaska and uh, in cold water. You don't want to use warm water kelp. We eat that stuff. All right. Hey, we have we have a couple minutes left for some questions. Oh, How about a couple deep. of questions? Remember, folks, if you have questions for this podcast, teaming with microbes at me.com, right? Yes, sir. And That's I don't the have the questions in front of me, but I know I'm gonna got... stump you. I'm gonna stump you. Oh, this good, is good. we'll start with a fun one because our friend uh, J- Jeremy Howard, although we've never met Jeremy, he's our friend. Mm-hmm. He's in an even worse place to live, I believe, for an Alaska gardener than Anchorage. He's in Fairbanks. And so he's, oh, my guess yeah. is from the tone and question that Jeremy is asking, uh, he is just as excited as we are for the cold uh, to end and the summer to begin and gardening to commence. Uh, as we mentioned, he lives in uh, Fairbanks and he grows indoors. He's trying to start some vegetables and, and whatnot, and undoubtedly with lights. And he has a question about living soil and a cold climate. And the, the question is basically he wants to know if, if he's making soil over the summer, right? Like he needs to make a lot of it, make good soil, good organic soil with compost and whatnot. Can he keep it outdoors all winter until he's ready to use it and thaw it out and let it do its thing? And uh, he says, obviously, his instant instincts are that it would be. And so... I think I can answer this because I'm not. Yeah. You compost, don't you? Yeah. What's the difference between keeping it in a tub or just on the ground? It's just soil. And uh, you could keep it in tubs in case you wanted to bring it in. If you had a cold frame or a greenhouse or a garage where you wanted to thaw it out, let it drain out and then use it as indoor soil for sure. But no, keeping it in a tub is not going to. But the the really the bigger benefit would be to leave it on the ground to let even more microbial activity get into it. Let worms get into it. Let let other things get up there. If you keep it in a tub and it's you know protected by a big thick plastic, then you're sort of contained literally, you know, for what's already in there. Sure, sure. Of course, and if you have it outside in the wintertime, you've got the snow on it, so you get the insulation, then you get the mm-hmm. little bit of warmth area in there. Uh, and if he's worried about just the cold itself, that's not gonna that's not gonna harm anything. I mean, the compost piles 
freeze all over the world and then they thaw out in the springtime uh, and they re reactivate. A lot of the microbes go into a dormant stage. And then when spring comes, they just come back out again and, and go to it. So I, I would say he's his instincts are right. You can leave it on the ground outside. You can leave it in a tub outside. You don't have to keep it inside. Um, I think the important thing is to try to use as much material from your garden in your compost pile that you're going to use back in your garden again. More and more articles seem to be coming out that indicate that the bacteria and microbes uh, that are on these plants that we're pulling from our garden uh, are meant to be there, and they will they will they will be in that compost and hop into the plants when the plants are planted again the following year. So there you go. All right. Now we have to remember that just because we're locked under ice and snow and cold for another couple of months, that the rest of the world and a lot of our listeners live in places where. Uh, maybe the ground's starting to thaw a little bit and stuff's starting to happen. So Christina Jacobson wrote from British Columbia, a question that we've talked about a couple of times, although it might be a little bit different where, where she lives and it's about grubs. In oh yeah. yeah. And now grubs, um, you know, they're kind of a nuisance and mm -hmm. birds come in and tear up the lawn looking for them. But the or, question or that, where she lives is probably moles. So the question is, is there an organic Yes. Way to keep the grubs at bay. Yes, there is. Yay. And what people buy is a uh, an attack nematode. There's a kind of nematode which you can purchase at nurseries, uh, particularly in areas that have grub problems. And what these nematodes do is they heat sink into the grub and then they either release bacteria or they they uh, produce young and they just eat the inside of the grub out and it kills it. So that's the way to do it. And not always the best solution, especially I think Christina mentioned in her uh, note that she has cats, but I have never found a better grub uh, eradicator than a chicken or a couple <laughs> of, or a couple of chickens. They'll wreak havoc on your gardens and your lawn, but they keep those grubs at bay for sure. Yeah, and the way to do that would be to put them in a in a well, a chicken coop tractor. You know, one of those coops that you can move around. So they get a they get the area, then you move the coop. They get the the, the area underneath that, then you move the coop again. Yep, yep. Uh, They're good, called good it's way. called a chicken tractor. Yeah, there you go, chicken yeah. tractor, chicken tractor. All right, Jeff, I got work to do. I got to get a symphony started for my plants. Make sure they have some good hard rock. Also. What are you gonna What are you gonna play? I'm gonna do Taylor Swift myself. I think that's the only. I way can't to do it. I gotta give T. I gotta give T. Swizzle a rest, <laughs> especially since she's rooted. For, she's you know she's aligned with the Chiefs. I just gotta give her a rest for a little while. She'll be back, but for now, I gotta. You're tough. You're tough. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it again next week. Talk to you soon. You got it. Hey, thanks for listening to this edition of Teeming with Microbes. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing this gardening season. Jeff and I wrote this episode with additional production and editing by Evan Phillips of Podpeak. You can find him at podpeak.com. Our music is also by Evan Phillips. Thanks, as always, to the Anchorage Daily News for hosting our show. And don't forget to catch Jeff's weekly gardening column in each Friday's edition. We'll be back next week with another edition of Teeming with Microbes. Until then, get out there, get your hands dirty, and get growing.